0: Genesis 7, 1 through 4 says this. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me and this generation. I want to do this. It says, then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. Everybody say that with me. Come into the ark does not say go into the ark god never calls you where he's not already at i think that's really important for us to understand because some of us operate in life that god is sending us places that he has not yet gone but actually god calls us into realms where he already exists I think this, just this mindset alone will help us to be able to be obedient to what he calls us to do. A lot of times our lack of obedience is us feeling like God won't show up for us when we go where he's called us to go. But if God is already there, then he's prepared to help you in what he's calling you into. I think that's an important way to see this. Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before men, before me, in this generation. Now, notice this. You are righteous before... Isn't it good that God can bring provision for you before... This is in the Old Testament. Jesus hadn't even shown up, but his righteousness, he sees he's already righteous before him because God knows and has been in the end before the beginning. So that provision, the provision of Jesus Christ, is not just forward provision, but it is provision for all time. That's important for you to understand today because whatever comes or whatever has passed or whatever is now, you are righteous because of what Jesus did. I have seen... That you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each, seven each of every clean animal. What? You shall take with you seven of each, every clean animal, a male and his female, and then two of each animal that are unclean, a male and his female. Also seven of each birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive On the face of the earth. (laughs) For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth. Forty days and forty nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. Now I want you to understand this. I think this is very important this morning. Is that... There are just some things that God does and some ways that he operates that are over your head. His provision goes further than what you can imagine. His understanding is greater than your understanding. His ways, it says in the Bible, are higher than your ways. God always, track with me, he always, I'm going to repeat it again with the hand motion because that helps, right? He always operates over your head. So everything he calls you to will be beyond your understanding. A lot of us wait to have, wait to have a complete understanding before we move towards him when he calls us you will never move towards him because his ways are higher than your ways. His knowledge is greater than your knowledge. Some of us need to, need to come to him because, listen, if I'm going to serve a God who's all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent, I want to serve a God who knows more than me. There is always an element of faith in the eternal. There's a lot we can know and listen the church has, has 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 rode on faith and made an excuse to not know that's that's unwise we should seek knowledge but we should always understand that in us seeking our knowledge there will all his ways will always be bigger than us And and every time he calls us, he doesn't call us into things that we know. He calls us into things that are beyond what we know so that we have to depend and trust on him. God movements are God movements because only God can do it. Otherwise, it'll be a brook movement. Or or planning this church would be a Sean movement. Trust me. Trust me. Like when I came here, I didn't know nothing. Today, I don't know nothing the fact we even have a church with people sitting in it. And, and the way that God has used this ministry is beyond my capability. But God does what he wants with the people he chooses. And sometimes he uses people that you would never imagine because then he can get the glory. You know why I'm here? It's because it's easy for God to get the glory with somebody like me. Sometimes your yes is greater than your knowledge. Because your yes allows God to be God. And your knowledge stifles Him from being Him. The more knowledge we have, the greater we operate in our knowledge, and the less we trust in Him to do what only He can do. That's why faith is required. That's why it requires the faith of a child in when we encounter Him. Because children undeniably. Until the age of two or three, trust their parents. (laughs) And then they learn, no, my ways are higher than your ways. Until they get to be about 21 and they realize, my parents know some stuff. Are you you with me today? Like, Okay, all right. Genesis 7, um, uh, 14 through 15, let's just jump up. Actually, yeah, 14 through 15, let's jump up to 14 through 15. The weight back there? If you not get it? Just wave me down if you don't have it. He don't have it. Um, let me see here. I I didn't I can't find my Bible. So and Brooke just messaged me, everyone's looking for you. Yeah, so Uh, let's look at Genesis 7. Let's look at let's go to 13 together. Listen to this. On the very same day. All right. God speaks on the very same day, Noah responds. God speaks on the very same day, Noah responds. I know I'm repeating myself a lot, but I just think it's good for you to hear what I'm saying. Because some of you wait, let me just wait, let me just calculate this, let me just pray about this for 25 years, let me just talk and get counsel until the counsel I get is the one that I really want. Sometimes you don't seek wise counsel. Sometimes you seek counsel that agrees with what you already want deep down in your heart, so you do have to obey God. Right? Some of you are spend, have spent 10 years trying to talk yourself out of what God has called you into. We, 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 I, want, I want you to understand something that I think is very important. Some of you are, are, are removing yourself out of what God is in. God's in the ark, and the ark is something that's peculiar the ark is something that's beyond understanding and knowledge. You have to understand that on the entire Earth, it hasn't even rained yet, that the way that the God, at, up to this point had moisturized the Earth was from the dew that came in the evening that rested on the ground in the morning. There was no rain. Rain did not fall from overhead. You need to understand it was over their head. Something that was coming that was over their head. In your life, you you may have been in church for 25 years. You may have been in church for 30 years. But I want you to understand God wants to do something new in your life that's over your head. It isn't based on your testimony. It isn't based on your traditions. It isn't based on your denomination. It isn't based on all the things you know from his word. He wants to move in a way that's over your head. He wants to rain down a blessing that you don't understand, that you cannot contrive, that you have not seen, that you have not seen in your family or in your ministry or, or in your life or, or, or at your church. God wants to do something new because testimonies are, 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 are now. They're not yesterday. If he is only a God of yesterday and he is not a God of now, you don't have a testimony. You have an experience that was based on emotional sensationalism. You wouldn't believe how many people have emotional experiences, but they don't have a God of now. They have an experience of yesterday. They call it God but because God is nothing to them now. God was really nothing to them then. Oh, that's good stuff right there. Okay, I better get back to Scripture. All right. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's son, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and Noah's wife, and three wives of his son with them entered the ark. It's a whole lot of people. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind. Oh, man. God even provides for creeps. He provides a way for creeps. That's... I'm not saying that's what God's saying, but it was in my journal. I wrote it. I was like, that's a good thing. Sometimes I feel like a creep, and he's, he provides for me. Right, Mark? He provides for me. I may be a creep, but he, he provides for creepy things. <laughs> that ain't real theological, but it really helps my soul. Yeah. Yeah. Every creepy thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah. 2 by 2 <laughs> See some of you some people in your life aren't going to God because you aren't going to God Notice that Noah went to God in the ark and they went to Noah Oh my gosh Oh man you want your kids to go to God you best be going to God when he calls you to the places that are over your head <laughs> And as you go they will go to you <laughs> Oh man Don't pray for your children to go into places that you refuse to go into. Oh my gosh. How dare you try to use prayer as a, as a, as a way to break the safe of something that you refuse to enter into yourself. Oh my gosh. Alright. And they went into the ark to Noah two by two of all flesh in which they breathe all of all life. So those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded them. And listen to this, I love this part. And the Lord shut them in. <laughs> he shut them in. Sometimes what God calls you into is only for you and a few. Your celebration is for you and a few. You're not supposed to take everybody with you to what He called you into. You're only supposed to take a few. Come on. Stop trying to make the call of God a party. That's it. That's all I got. I'm not, there's nothing else. It's <laughs> so funny because sometimes I say things and, I, and you're like, more?" No, that's it. That's all I got. I'm sorry, if you're hoping to get more excited, that was it. All right. All um, right. He shut them in. (laughs) I want you to understand, and I I believe God's speaking to me for the life of our church, for you as individuals and your families. I believe that this is a season, (laughs) and the flood is coming. (laughs) Those that are clean will get on by sevens, but those that are not will come on by twos. You need to understand that in this day there were unclean animals and there were clean animals. The clean animals were the ones you could eat and sacrifice. See, God even provides the sacrifice in the midst of your trouble. And he provides the provision in the midst of your trouble. And the sacrifice is the provision that will sustain you. Notice there were only two of unclean because you ain't going to sacrifice or eat them. They can't really provide for you. And let's just go ahead and throw this out the way that Christ can. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed, they ate of the sacrifice. They sacrificed and ate of the sacrifice and that provided atonement of their sins for that whole year. It isn't it awesome that we have Christ who is the ultimate sacrifice for all of our sins? And for all who believe in him, we don't have to sacrifice all the time. But listen, he even provided for their righteousness. They were righteous because of the provision. <laughs> they were righteousness, they were righteous unto God because of the provision of the sacrifice. And God said, I want you to take seven of the clean because you have to eat, okay, and you have to sacrifice. So God puts provision in there. Notice there's only two of the unclean because they ain't going to get killed. They're going to reproduce. Now, I I think it's important because some of us need to understand that in our obedience, in our obedience, oh, man, in our obedience is our provision. What if if Noah would have got an idea that he only wanted to bring two clean, two, two of the dirty because, I mean, that kind of gets the job done. It's not exactly what God said, but it's close to what God said. You wouldn't believe how many people in church shoot close to what God said and hope to have provision in their life. If I, if I just do it close enough, then God will be pleased with me. See, it's not about you pleasing God. That's not what obedience is about. It's about you being provided for. Okay, Come, right? everybody wants to get the provision without the obedience. The provision is always wrapped up in your obedience. You can't come to church every single week, be disobedient, and hope to be provided for. It don't work that way. The provision's in the obedience. Well, I thought, I thought the only way that we're saved is through Jesus Christ. It is the only way you're saved. By believing in Jesus Christ, that's the provision for your salvation. It ain't the prison provision for everything else, like peace. You got to keep your mind fixed on him if you want peace. Peace ain't in just believing in Jesus. There is, there is something you have to obey to get peace. Keep your mind fixed on him constantly and you will have Peace. Jesus and just believing everybody wants to get saved and think they're going to have peace and everything's going to be a blessing and everything's going to be wonderful. No, you you get saved and you have a new spirit in you when you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit. And what's the Holy Spirit do? Tell you what to do. And he tells you what to do. And as you obey it, the kingdom is opened up to you in greater magnitudes. It's not get saved and everything will be perfect. It's get saved, I give you my spirit, and he bosses you around. And if you obey it, you'll live a blessed life. If you don't, you won't. You'll still be saved, but you'll be miserable. You know how I mean? you know I many you know I mean? saved and miserable people I've met in my day working in the church? A lot. A lot. And because they've been, taught, they've been taught the wrong thing. They've been taught that if you get saved, you have everything you need, but you don't. You ha- if you get saved, you have the Spirit who will take you into all that He wants for you and all that you need. Jesus is a sign pointing to the Spirit, and the Spirit is a sign pointing to God's perfect plan for your life, and we have to follow that in all our ways. <laughs> Whoever is on is going to be on, and whoever is off is going to be off. Listen to me today. Whoever is on is going to be on, and whoever is off is going to be off. I'm not doing a hellfire brimstone. I'm not trying to scare you into into believing in Jesus Christ, but I want you to understand the gospel message is still as true today as it was then. There is a time frame to your willingness to come on board. And there is, and let me tell you, and whoever is going to be on is going to be on. And whoever is going to be off is going to be off. And you don't know how long you have to live. And I care about this. Just talked to a couple people today that were talking about um, a family member that was 98 that died that did not believe in God, was an atheist, self-proclaimed atheist. I believe there's actually less atheists in the world than what you might imagine because they believe in something. But a self-proclaimed atheist, that breaks my heart. Because when her life came to an end, she was off and she was not on. And it is important today for us to understand that we have a decision to come on board to the ark that he's prepared for us. And Jesus Christ is that ark. We just need to talk about that. He operates over our head. First of all, I want you to understand that God doesn't react to anything in your life. Because it isn't a shock to him. (laughs) All time and everything that happens in your life happens inside of God. That means he's, he's he's not just the alpha and then shocked by everything that comes Along and is responding to everything that's happened in your life. He's the, also the omega. So everything that, has, that will happen has happened in him. That don't have, I know, blow, half your circuits went flying off and you're smoking. I understand you're smoking between your head. I understand that. But I want you to understand that nothing surprises him. Means means this, you're not going to, just because you're in trouble, get a reaction from God about it. He already knew it was coming. God never has new information. <laughs> before, he says, before Adam was, I am. God doesn't react to anything because God is already in front of your future. <laughs> He's Alpha and Omega. You cannot experience anything that God has not already seen. Jeremiah. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I had already called you to be a prophet to the nations. Before he was even in his mother's womb, before he was formed in his mother's womb, God knew what he would be. God says, I am a very present help in time of trouble. The word present actually is a compound word meaning (laughs) pre-sent. Oh, that'll mess you up. He's a present help in your time of trouble. So I want you to understand. I want to encourage your heart today. I don't do this very often, so soak it in. Actually, hit record. <laughs> hit record. Just enjoy this. God is, what he's saying is, I, am, I presend myself to your trouble so that I am there when you get to your trouble. Oh, my gosh. That's good stuff. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, my gosh. Man, I think I'm losing blood. That's why I'm all weepy. I'm just... <laughs> I've lost a lot of blood this morning. So if you don't think I'm a man, I'd try bleeding out and then coming up here and preaching. <laughs> God has already pre-sent himself and is waiting on you to catch up. So just know that when you get into trouble. When Moses became the emancipator of Israel, it is proof that God is all ahead of the future. When Moses' mother is a Jew and, and could not keep him because Pharaoh wanted to kill all the Jewish babies, God made sure that his mother, in the infinite wisdom of God, would go down to the Nile River, which is 4,500 feet long, and place Moses in one square foot of the river that Pharaoh's daughter would be bathing in. Don't tell me that God doesn't know what's going on. That his mother would hide the ark in in a place that would land one square foot from where Pharaoh's daughter would be taking a bath. That's not an accident that she would take him to her daddy and ask to keep him. and And the Pharaoh would say, yes, not knowing that he had just allowed the boy that he was trying to kill into his house. God does not react to anything. He's already in front of it. Listen to me today. If you don't hear anything else I say today, you need to hear this. God does not react to any of your trouble. He's already in it and preparing a way to get you out of it. So when you act hysterical and you're losing your mind, that shows that you don't understand that God is already in your trouble. (laughs) Some of you need to get In all thy ways, you need to get an understanding. And when you enter your trouble, you need to stand under God who's already in your trouble. (laughs) And let Him be over your head. Operate over your head. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Do you think that it was an accident that Isaiah said that Jesus is the son of David? Mary, who out of the people God could have picked, just so happened to be engaged to the guy named Joseph who was related to David, which makes Jesus the son of David. Why? Because God is not reacting to anything because God is already in front of your future. And I came here this morning to talk to everyone and tell them, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what you're going through. It is not an accident. It's providence. Some of you think your whole life has been an accident. You're stumbling through your life from one situation to the other. But I want you to know it's providence that you should go through what you have been through. And God is going to bring you out. Whenever God allows you to go through a thing, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to establish it until the day of Jesus Christ. The issue is, we don't know what God is going to draw out of the vial of the needle God has stuck us with. You're not going through adversial situations. You have actually been given an antidote. And for many of you, I want you to understand, your storm is the very thing and the very recipe that helps you become all that he wants you to become. Oh my gosh. You know what's made me? Listen to me. I ain't saying we should pray to suffer. I'm not saying that that we should pray to have to go through these things. But some of my greatest learning have not been in my good times. And some of my greatest seeking have not been when everything is wonderful. And sometimes I want you to understand that God does his best work in you when you're in a storm. In case you didn't know, God never sends you or allows you to go into a storm that he's not already present in. And the disciples were out there freaking out on the boat because God had said, Go, and he knew the storm was coming. But as they f- were freaking out, they didn't know that God, that Jesus was already in the storm with them, walking on top of the thing that they were freaking out about. Oh my gosh. God is in front of your future, God never reacts. To what's going on in your head. He is already over your head, and He has a plan for which you don't know is coming. The flood has not yet come in the text we read. You must understand that it has never rained in the history of the world, and the only water that is on the earth is the accumulation of dew from night till morning. It has never rained. They have never heard thunder or seen lightning. They have never seen precipitation come from above their head. And all of a sudden, God says it's about to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, Noah must have asked, what is rain? What is a boat? It's going to do what? What's a flood? God says, I need you to build it. I need you to build what I tell you to build because I I do things over your head. You don't have to understand in your head. You have to stand under what I've told you. You have to let me live above your head. You have to let my ways be higher than your ways. It's going to require obedience. You have to understand, there are some things coming in your life. Listen to me. There are some things coming in your life that are going to fall from over your head. There's some storms coming that are over your head. But God, in, in, through the Holy Spirit, is telling you right now, how to prepare, prepare for what's coming that's gonna be over your head. Your obedience now is your salvation tomorrow. When, when, it starts, when it starts pouring over your head and the storm comes and you haven't prepared, you can't run around try to put a boat together. What are you doing now? What are you doing now to prepare for what's coming that will fall from over your head? <laughs> They've never seen precip- precip- precipitation come. And he, but God calls him to do something that was over his head. God says, I need you to build it because I want everyone to understand that deliverance is always in progress when destruction hasn't even started yet. God is not reacting to your trouble. He has a plan for your trouble. But will you listen to his plan so that you can face your trouble? The deliverance, listen to me, always comes before the process. That's why you went through what you went through, because God will always have you build an ark before the rain. It said Noah has been building an ark for the last 40 years. Now, some people actually say that it was 120 years that Noah built the ark. No, it was 120 years that God gave the people to repent commentators believe that it was 20 to 40 years that he spent building the ark. He said, I'm gonna save you, your wife, your sons, and your son's children. And everyone else, listen to me today, everyone else is gonna have to die. Now, it's crazy. Because God created everything and he saved some of his creation, but he killed the rest of it. We learn here that sometimes you have to kill what you created. Sometimes you have to be honest. It says that God, it says he repented of himself. Sometimes you have to be honest. Sometimes you, some of the stuff you dealt with, you chose. Some of the stuff you live in, you created. There are a lot of movements that claim Christ and we've created stuff in movements, and we've created stuff in the church. And I want you to understand, sometimes you've got to kill what you created. Okay. Let me, let me try this. Let me try this, because this, maybe this will... Maybe, y'all, some of you are freaking out. Like, I'll probably get an email or two about this, but just listen to me. I can handle it. I'm a big boy. Um, um, it says that Moses went up to the top of the mountain, and while he was there a bunch of hooligans decided to melt down all their gold and make a calf. They created a calf that they could worship. It was important that they killed what they created. In the church many of us create idols around things that we should not create idols around and I came here today the only one or the only thing in this earth you should worship is God himself. All right. Programs, images, symbols of who he is, is not God. You best listen to me in here today. And you, we need to understand sometimes we have to kill what he created so that we can worship who created all things. I, had a, I was working at a church. I won't say the name of the church because a lot of these churches and pastors listen to me now. I don't know why because I listen back to me. And I don't know why. But there was a pulpit that was made by hand by somebody that wasn't even alive anymore from 100 years ago. It had a plaque on the front. It had a plaque on the front of the. (laughs) At least it was quieter. It had a plaque on the front of the pulpit that was based on the name of that person. I'm not hating on all this. Listen, don't. And I'm not trying to be nasty today, and I'm not trying to be honorary today. They tried to, a new pastor came in and tried to move that out because he hated standing behind the Ark of the Covenant. Speak over it to the people that were there. And he tried to move it and they ran and voted him out of the church in three months. Over a piece of wood that was made by man. Are you with me today? And some of you have created idols around things you should not have created idols around. Some of you have created things and you have made it an idol because it was built with your hands. And I came here today to tell you, you need to kill it. Because if it's more God to you than God, that is not okay. Even God was willing to kill what he created. Now we'll move on from that because I don't want to freak you out. But some of us, and particularly in leadership, in any, any manner, just because you created it don't mean it's special. I, I, I had a, I had a we, did, can, can I just talk with you for a second, just, just share, I'm not. We, I, we watched this video one time, I think it was Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley said, one of the, one of the greatest things you can do as a leader that have been in, in, a, in a church and leading a church for any amount of time is to have all of your staff walk out of the office and re-enter back in the office and, and, and pretend like you're here for the first week. And think about what you would do differently. Because we get in the habit of doing things and not even considering why do we do what we do. You know, the some things we continue, that used to mean something, that used to have a purpose. But that purpose is lost because the the organization has shifted. And we're continuing movements and continuing to do things that are no longer beneficial for our body. So sometimes we got to kill a thing. It was good in its day. It made a point in its day. It was effective in its day, but it is no longer hold the same effect. So we must kill that thing. Otherwise, we make it an idol and simply do it because we have always done it. Oh, man. Some of you think I just like to change because it's just fun to change. No, I like to change because I don't like to make idol of things. And right when I feel like people, this hearts in our church begin to attach to something, Instead of him, I'll pull it. I'll pull it because it's better that you be in love with God than the things that come from him. Oh my gosh. Sometimes we gotta kill what we created. Genesis 7-1 said this. God said for Moses to come into the ark. We talked about this at the beginning because I'm a little uh, excitable and I, I can't stop myself, but I'm gonna go ahead and repeat this. God if God calls you into it, He is already there. I was thinking about Nebuchadnezzar throwing in three young men into the fiery furnace. And it said that Nebuchadnezzar looked over to look down to see in the fire and the smoke of what's going on down there. And he saw four people down there in the fire because God was already there in their fire. <laughs> oh, man. If God allows you to be in it, he will never allow you to be in it without being there himself. All right, that's just good news. You just, I mean, that's shouting worthy. I, I believe in my head you're shouting me down right there on that one. Like, that's good stuff. Sometimes God's in the storm. Sometimes God's in the pit. Sometimes God is in the ark. And God says, I looked at Noah and I saw Righteousness. I saw righteousness in him because God doesn't see you how you are now, and he doesn't see you how you were then. He sees you how you will be when he has made you whole. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's good news right there. Now, just go ahead and throw this out there to be a bummer for the people that have not believed on him. It's for all those who believe he sees that way. But if you have not believed in Jesus Christ, been cleansed with his blood and filled with his spirit by believing. That he don't see you as righteous. He sees you as unclean. But he provided a way that if you would just believe in him, he would make you righteous before his sight. Listen to this. You have to know that God knows the end from the beginning. So in chapter 6, he's calling him righteous. In chapter 9, Noah's uh, planting a a grape field, getting drunk off his butt, getting naked, and falling out and falling asleep. But God calls him righteous in six before he hits nine. God don't see you by, by, for, for what you will be. He sees you for what he will make you. It's not about what you do. It's about what he did. Right? That's good news. Okay. I, I, I'll just throw this out there. I don't even know what this means. Uh, it's in my head, so I'll just throw it out there. You know, it'll be fun. It won't really go with the sermon, but his son uncovered him. It's always those closest to you that will uncover the sin in your life. I mean, let me say it this way. It's always those that you're over and that you're leading that will uncover the wrong parts of you. It's always those who are under your care that will find you out. And what does this mean? What does this mean? I mean, just go do homework this week. I don't have time to talk about it. And I ain't going to preach it. But go do homework. And you notice that Noah lives another 300 and something years. But look at what happens to the person that uncovers him. This is why people that are in leadership are held to a higher standard. Because when God calls you, he blesses you beyond your stupid. That's the best way I know how to put it. He blesses you and anoints you beyond your stupid and gives you years beyond what you should. But you have to understand he holds you to a higher standard because those that are under your care that find you out are penalized for your stupid. Are you with me? You best be careful who's in leadership over you. I hope, now don't disappoint me by half you leaving next week because that will really hurt, <laughs> I'll hurt my heart. That'll hurt my heart, but I want you, I want you to understand it's important. Some of you, you want to put all that pressure on your pastor and I understand that, but some of you are leading your children and you'll be held to a higher standard because what they uncover affects them and don't affect you. Okay, that would not even part of my sermon. But that's just a bonus. You could do a little side study and really mess yourself up, right? Okay. All right. I came to tell you that whatever you've been working on, it's about to happen in seven days. If it doesn't happen, it's because you haven't built it ahead of time. Don't try to build a boat now, but everybody who has been building, it's going to happen in seven days. Every Everyone who has been measuring and planning and plotting and working on, God says it's about to rain down blessings. It's about to rain over your head. I'm about to do a work up over your head. It's about to rain miracles. It's about to rain, listen to me, signs and wonders. I believe this. The last four years, I don't know, some of you just jumping on this boat, and I'm happy for you. But the last four years, we have been drilling down and driving stakes, and we have been growing, we have been preparing, we have been laying foundations, we have been preparing our hearts, we have been being rooted And I want you to know the rain comes when you're finally rooted so that you can bear the fruit that he hopes for you to bear. But you you will never bear fruit with shallow roots, but the rain only comes when you're prepared and your roots have gone down deep enough. And I believe this. I believe this is a promise from the Lord. I believe some of us have been rooted enough that God is about to do something over our heads that will cause us to bear fruit that will affect generations to come. Oh, man, that's good news. Listen, I'm not a good news preacher, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's coming. The rain is coming. He's about to do something spectacular in our midst. (laughs) Where we don't have to, we don't even have to beg for miracles. Miracles just happen in our midst. (laughs) We don't even have to pray for peace. It just happens in our midst. There's just a presence that happens in our midst. Will we walk in the door? Will people who are far from him walk in the door and come to life to Christ before they hear one note played or one sermon preached? I believe that just the presence of God in our midst will change people's lives. I believe, and we have heard already, that people like recently, recently we've heard person after person driving driving by, no plans to go to church, pulling in and getting saved in the parking lot before they even enter the building. That God encounters them in their car. God is moving because we have chosen to be rooted. And He has said over this house and over these people, they're ready. Let it rain. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All the rootedness was for nothing. It was not for nothing. Means it was for something. He wants to do something that only a rooted people are prepared to bear. It's over your head. I actually wrote this down, and I'll say this as we close. God is like a baker. <laughs> Where he takes a bunch of unedible things and puts them together in a way that makes sense when it comes out to us. Nobody want to eat a spoonful of flour. And ain't nobody want to eat a spoonful of baking soda or starch. You understand what I'm saying here? Nobody wants to crack an egg and dump that sucker in your mouth unless you're a freak of a nature or a meathead and you have gotten to like that stuff because it makes you feel manly. Sylvester Stallone is the only human being that actually likes that. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger right and I want you to understand though no one wants to eat a raw egg or eat raw flour but God has a way of taking the most unlikely things and mixing them together in a way and let's and here's the greatest part and then putting it in the fire Because there's nothing like a bunch of nonsense put together in a bowl and put in a pan and mixed together a little bit of this, a little bit of suffering, a little bit of tears, a little bit of hurt, a little bit of confusion, a little bit of this, and putting it in a bowl and putting it in a pan and sliding into the fire. When the fire hits it, it makes magic of the unlikely. (laughs) And what comes out of the fire is sweet (laughs) and has a point and makes a purpose come on now some of you feel like your life is a bunch of nonsense but if you let God take your nonsense and put it together and you let God apply the fire you'll come out better than you went in (laughs) oh my gosh oh my goodness gracious he's good like that it may be over your head but God is in it (laughs) oh my goodness gracious Well, that's what I want to say. I think I'm done. I want to say this. I want to say this. This is fun too. God is going to shut the door on some stuff that you like and some people that you like. God's going to shut the door on it. There's some relationships that you have become attached to and God is going to bring you in and he's going to shut the door on those people sometimes when we draw close to God he shuts the door for people that we have tried to draw close to God's going to shut them out he wouldn't let just anybody in the boat, I'm saying this and I'm closing because if they did not build it with you they cannot board with you if they didn't support you in the outside what makes you think you can trust them on the inside If you don't trust me in the process, then I I can't let you into my progress. If you can't trust them in the building, you can't trust them in the boarding. Gosh, come on now. Everyone that God called close to him built with him. Some of you need to let God shut some doors on some people, situations, and things in your life that have not been building with you.